welcome to Nipped and Toxed. <laughs> Which episode is it? Four. Episode four. It's all about fillers. Filler up. Hi, I'm Dr. Ashley Roby. I am a quadruple board certified plastic surgeon, certified in plastic surgery, facial plastic surgery, otolaryngology, and anti-aging medicine. And with me is Katie Reichert. And I am a CPCP and a permanent makeup artist. I think the last episode I was too nervous. I was like, I'm a makeup artist. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm a permanent makeup artist. <laughs> permanent. Uh, Something different. I tattoo people's faces. Well, you were saying that there are only how many CPCPs in There's Indiana? only three. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I know, right? And I think I'm the only one in the world with my I have never so... even heard of anyone having a quadruple certification. Yeah. Having three is pretty amazing, mm -hmm. but having... When I had three, I was one of 13 in the world. No, I think I'm one of I one. I think that's anyways, pretty amazing. Anyways, so today we're talking talk about filler. fillers. So really, what is a filler? Fillers are things that you use classically to add volume to something. So we're talking about fillers in the realm of aesthetic medicine, and they can be either permanent or temporary, and they're injected. So where's the most common place to have filler? I personally love filler. I'm mm -hmm. all about filler. Well, definitely the face. Yeah. I mean, you can put fillers most places, but the face by far and away is the most popular location. The most common temporary filler I use falls into that HA or hyaluronic acid filler category but I'll also use things like Radius or Sculptra. And then for permanent fillers, fat. That's my go-to permanent filler. So with HA fillers, since it's not permanent, what does that mean? I know you can dissolve it. That means that your body will degrade them. So whether it's the HA filler or the Radius or the Sculptra, they're all temporary. And so your body will break them down and absorb them. And depending upon which filler it is, that time frame is a variable. Some of the HA fillers, especially in some really mobile areas, could take as little as six months to go away, but others, it's closer to two years. So is it about viscosity? Is it about how hard the filler is? Because I know like you use softer fillers for your lips, you use harder for your cheeks. I mean, as far as duration, how long it, it takes to a lot down. of it can have to do with, for the HA fillers, with the degree of cross-linking and how long it would take your body to break down that product. So depending on the person, what's no, cross-linking? So, so just the way that the chemical is actually synthesized, okay. how many cross-linked bonds are placed within it. But yeah, the other variables that you're talking about with regards to pliability and viscosity, and how much strength is in the product. Those are definitely characteristics that come into play when you're thinking about where do I want to put this product? Because for example, in the cheeks, you may want something that has the ability to add a lot of height, right? Um, and maybe it's a little more firm because you want that kind of bone mm -hmm. cheek volume, but you wouldn't want that same kind of thing in your lips. Right. So the cool thing about the hyaluronic acids is that most of the companies that make them have a portfolio of products so that you can tailor exactly what product fits which location best. So I love a good cheek filler. <laughs> yeah. And so I usually get it every, I'd say, two years, 18 months. So it's probably been probably two years. Am I safe to say that it's completely gone or can you go up to somebody and you can feel it's still there? Probably most of it is gone, but I would say in my experience, sometimes there are smaller amounts that linger beyond that time frame, And I'll notice it in some areas 
where you'll have a really obvious bump, like let's say in a liquid rhinoplasty where you'll see someone's mm -hmm. cartilage curling and you'll see a really defined transition uh, at a certain location. We're like, wow, look at that shadow. Look at that protruding cartilage. I've seen uh, adding some of the AJ fillers to those locations that even beyond the two years, although it may not be as good as it once was, it seems like it's not quite as bad as baseline. Right. But yeah, around two years. And does it depend on the person's metabolism? Some people metabolize it better than others. I mean, faster. Faster, which would probably be worse, right? I mean, right. You don't want to be a I wouldn't want fast to be a fast metabolizer. <laughs> I think I'm a slow metabolizer. I think I'm, I burn through a Botox pretty fast. Yeah, I'm pretty good on Botox. You like are. four months. I'm like know. 89 days. I just need to come in here and just get shot up yeah. everywhere. Yeah. So filler, the face is the most common location, but within the face, I would say cheeks and lips are the most popular, but really you can add it to a lot of locations. I like adding it to the tear trough, which is that area where uh -huh. you're seeing the dark circle right. under it your eye. Wonders under the eye. You but... know if you're a good candidate for that or not, because some people are not good candidates for tear trough filler and some mm -hmm. are. How do you know when you look at somebody whether or not that's going to work for them? Well, if you have an area that looks like a volumetric depression, if you're seeing some fullness above a line and some fullness below and then a depression in between, mm -hmm. then adding volume to that depression can look really good. Oh, definitely. Mm -hmm. I love the befores and afters on the eyes. Yeah. And how do you know if you are a person that needs surgery <laughs> and that you know, fillers are not going to be enough. Filler is good at volume replacement, right? Mm -hmm. And if you have some degree of loose skin, sometimes replacing that volume can fill that skin out a little bit. But if you have a substantial amount of loose skin, mm -hmm. then there's probably not enough filler to regrape that skin. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that you're not a candidate for filler. It's just, it comes down to meeting the patient's expectations. If you're saying, hey, there's no way I would ever want to have surgery, what's my next best option? Right. Then I think it would be reasonable to do things like filler. But for some people, that's all they need. So it can be really patient dependent. So let's talk about lips. Sure. What is your favorite product to use on lips? Because there's all these things out there. There's Restylane Kiss, there's Voluma or Velour. I use both the Restylane line and the Juvederm line. Uh -huh. So the Restylane Kiss is pretty popular in the lips. And then we use a fair amount of Velour, the Juvederm brand. Is that basically the same thing, just different brands? You know, they're, they're, they would say no. There are differences other than just the name, just like Pepsi and Coke are different right. other than the name. Like they have different whatever I'm ingredients, et cetera. So there are differences, but there are certainly things that are overlapping with regards to where you can apply that product. So I've also seen that the products for lips have lidocaine in them. Yeah. Is that true of all of them? That seems to be the trend. When they first came out, it was almost an exception for the product to have lidocaine added. And now I think it's more of an exception for it to not be there. Right. So yeah, people like it to be numb. I had a client that has a lidocaine allergy. Okay. And so I was tattooing her lips and I was asking her about when she had a lip filler and said, oh, well, it cost me more money For to sure. get the lip filler without the lidocaine. And I'm like, really? That's so interesting. I actually gave her your number. I'm like, go see my friend. I'd have to look and see because I feel like we almost right. universally stock the but stuff But it's not like it's hard lighting. to get, right? No, you can get yeah, it. Can get it's it. just that you have right. to know beforehand. You're going to numb the lips 
with a topical all mm-hmm. over anyways. Why would you need the lidocaine inside? It of helps. Product? It okay. makes a difference. I guess I've never had it without, so I don't know. Okay. Yeah. But I've always been numb. Sure. That's unfortunate. That's a rare thing. Right. Mm-hmm. I feel bad for her. Yeah. You had to do her whole tattoo of her lips with no numbing. <laughs> but it looked really nice. The lips would be more sensitive than other body parts, uh-huh. certainly. Sure. Most people that get tattoos don't get numbing. Well, that's also about different locations of the body, different pain. But also it's about don't how nice. much it costs. A lot of tattoo artists that want to do it cost a lot of money. Oh, sure. It's like $50 for two ounces. Six so imagine of... you're doing a big area. You can go to CVS or Walgreens and get those lidoderm patches, right? Who wants to be in pain? No. Like maybe a few like sadistic people. <laughs> right. <laughs> or that would be masochistic. I'm sorry. Right. Yeah. I'm confusing masochist. my, my S&M terminology. <laughs> into that later yeah so that's episode five i don't know about no, that has nothing to do with nip and pop no, okay so as far as lips go there's lots of different trends with lips so you see like russian style yeah you see you know different ways of injecting lips mm-hmm. there's definitely and, different techniques yeah what do you say about all that there different? are some universal techniques that we utilize to some extent you're kind of working with what you have or you're building Right. If somebody comes in, you're like, okay, we're going to start with this. If you you're starting back, we'll add more. If you're starting off with a certain look, you can only push it so far in, in a different direction, especially at one time. But depending upon what the patient's starting with, it's volume addition and adding height, adding width, mm-hmm. just depends. So let's talk about volume loss. How much volume are we losing in our faces year to year? Because I keep telling all of my friends, I'm like, you look, you are going to need filler. You mm-hmm. are losing volume in your face. And they always look at me and they're like, you don't look overfilled. I'm like, yeah, I know, because I'm just putting back what I've lost. So every decade we age, we lose about six to seven cc's of facial fat volume. So that really starts adding up, especially if you've never had anything done. So replacing volume is really helpful to restore that young look. The other thing, apart from the HA fillers, is Sculptra. So so Sculptra is a collagen biostimulator. So you inject this absorbable polymer that your body degrades and gets rid of, but in that process, your body lays down more collagen. Right. So after so it's the, kind of like a really natural approach. I mean, you don't have, you don't have <laughs> polymers in your face transiently, right? Right. But that goes away. Yeah. Left with the collagen. Right. Absolutely. Right. The goal is to restore the collagen levels toward a more youthful level. So right. by the age of forty, you've lost about twenty five percent of your collagen. Wow. wow. So a lot of people will mix those together. They'll add the Sculptra, not only for volume, but for stimulating their own collagen levels. And then they'll come back later and add the HA filler to specific areas where they really want to target and enhance the volume depletion. So I saw Sculptra being used in the nasal labanoidal folds. Labial, yeah. Whatever. <laughs> I, whenever we go labial, I'm thinking of our first episode. Their lips. It's like oral exactly. lips, vaginal lips. I feel like this is a big aging spot on a lot of people, you know. So I saw it being used there, and sure. I thought that is really interesting because I like getting filler there, but a lot of doctors are scared because of 
that major vein right there. You have to be thoughtful and considerate about anatomy. Absolutely. And you definitely want to go to someone that knows what they're doing. I should think so. Right. Don't go to someone's garage. What are your ideal places to use it? Anywhere? Sculptra? Uh Uh-huh. So it's supposed to be injected in a subdermal plane, so underneath the dermis. You're getting down pretty low. But some products like Voluma, you're injecting it supraperiosteal, so just on top of the bone. So this is going to be a little more superficial than some of those types of injections because you're trying to stimulate collagen growth, which is going to be in in the dermal layer to restore collagen levels and to try to improve tone and and volume associated with aging. So are there different firmnesses of Sculptra or is it all one? It's one. So the interesting thing about Sculptra, and I think that anyone that's going to have a Sculptra injection needs to be well aware of, is that you're injecting all the lactic acid microparticles. Your body will break them down and in the process of doing so, induces an inflammatory response and creates more collagen. The Sculptra is mixed with sterile water at the time of your procedure. And so that water is a carrier, meaning the water component, your body's gonna absorb it. It's gonna go away in in the first couple of days. So you'll see an initial volume improvement, but that's because you just injected your face with a bunch of water. Um, So let's say you're doing two vials of Sculptra, so 18 cc's of water. That's a lot of volume to add to someone's face, but- Then the water goes away. It's absorbed. How do you equate that to how much volume it will add to your face? Classically for Sculptra, they talk about percent increase in collagen. So the net volume is going to be a function of where you're starting from. Okay, yeah, how deficient you are. It's interesting because for the HA filler, you add two cc's of HA filler, you get two cc's of volume. Right. So if you're looking for the after effects of Sculptra, how far out do you need to be injected to then see the... It's about two months before you're seeing what you got out of that treatment. So if I've like got an event, I want to wait two months, two months before birthday's coming up to see the full impact of it. Right. Right. But that doesn't mean you can't go to an event prior to that. You just won't see the full results. So more for your event is, are you ridiculously swollen or bruised? And that probably, I would say a couple of weeks. Do, do people mostly bruise with this? No. There's always that oddball it's that like gets anything really bad else. bruising. Yeah. It's like any other injection, right? Sure. Okay, so let's talk about um, radius. Oh, sure. Calcium hydroxyapatite. Yes. I've seen radius used a lot on bony structures mm-hmm. when you want to create a really nice angular so bone or jawline. You're trying to create bony support or restore some of the bony loss that actually can occur with aging as well. Those are popular areas that people add radius. I don't do a ton of radius in my practice. Why Uh, is that? There are so many options and from an end result perspective, I think you can get just as good of results with other products. Gotcha. You can't dissolve radius, right? That's one downside, but radius can last two years, which is appealing. I like that. I have noticed, I had radius one time. I did notice, I felt like it attracted more water. So I felt a little more swollen and I didn't like that look because when I had it in my cheeks, it kind of made my eyes feel swollen. So I didn't love that. <laughs> Long term kind of or just transiently? It was a couple months after. Oh. 
So from then on, I went to Voluma. And I think that a lot of people like to use HA fillers in general because they can dissolve them if there's any complications, right? Yes, there is a hyaluronidase, which is an enzyme that can be used to degrade fillers. And interestingly, I have been working with a neurointerventionist to develop a protocol for emergencies associated with filler maladventures. I have never myself had a serious complication. But it's certainly been reported in the literature. Mm -hmm. So if you inject a filler into a vessel, mm -hmm. instead of blood flowing through the vessel, you have filler occluding it, there can definitely be problems. Right. So if that vessel is feeding your eyeball, it can result in vision loss. If that vessel is feeding, let's say, the skin of your nose, you could have skin loss. Which so, is why it's also so important to find an injector that knows what they're doing. I think so. Yes, absolutely. That's certainly eye-opening, right? When you're talking about consent and weighing out the pros and cons of fillers, when you throw that out there to patients, well, well yeah, there's a small chance you're going to go blind. That's pretty disturbing. So whereas it's extremely rare, so current protocols are, let's just say someone does that, uh, they inject filler into a, a vessel that's feeding the eye and, and the patient has sudden vision loss. The recommendations are to inject a bunch of hyaluronidase, which again is the enzyme that can break down the filler right. around the vessel. And my uh, thought is let's get it into the vessel. Right. So doing an interventional radiology procedure where you can cannulate that vessel and get the degrading enzyme exactly where you need it. So would it be you go to the emergency room and they would have that? Yeah, you would go to the ER and we would have to get that whole process going expeditiously. Right. You have basically have like 90 minutes. Oh, wow. For mm -hmm. the eye area. Because mm -hmm. I know I've seen on the internet where some people may get it, you know, around the nose. Sure. And it's a true emergency. They might leave, though, mm -hmm. and they don't know that they have an emergency, but then mm -hmm. they start to have necrosis and oh. start to have issues. Sure. And if the injector you went to is not prepared, does not have the solution to like, dissolve it, whatever, then you're in a really yeah, tough spot. I'm not sure that everyone keeps hyaluronidase. I would hope so, but I certainly would not assume that. No, I wouldn't assume that either, which is why, again, you go I'm neurotic and I always go to a plastic surgeon because I want to make sure someone has got knows all the things. Knows what's going on. And, you know, a quadruple board plastic <laughs> surgeon I know is going to. So I think that's one of the things, though, that people need to be aware of. And also... When looking for an injector, a lot of people have, you know, as, as do you, befores and afters, mm -hmm. where you can really look at what someone's work looks like sure. instead of just... What's the cheapest price per vial? Exactly. Don't look for the cheapest price. I mean, of all, for anything plastic surgery. People I do, mean, though. I know, but it's... Then yeah. you're going to pay more to have it corrected. It's yeah. just like a bad tattoo. You're yeah. going to pay more to get it fixed. I know. But, you know, I think that it's big to do your research. A lot of people have Instagram pages. You can mm -hmm. see their befores and afters. But also check out the person's credentials and make sure they are. Sure. Um, the other thing I was going to say about radius is I've seen it used hyper diluted sure. in like necklines okay. and in hands mm -hmm. and things like that. And I thought that looked kind of neat. You could do the same thing for all the fillers. And I've used AJ fillers in both neck lights and hands and, and you could do it okay. for radius. I'm so sure there wasn't a reason that they used radius hyper diluted? Is that 
If they wanted it hyper-diluted, maybe they just wanted better dispersion. Okay, so another popular filler I'm seeing is the jawline. Sure. Because it's all about the snatched jaw. I know. Everything's snatched. Everything's snatched these days. Snatched waist is still in, but exactly. everything's also. snatched up. But as far as jawlines go, what's your favorite kind of filler and how many syringes is someone really going to need? I mean, it's not just like a one syringe deal. Probably not, but I suspect you could probably see results with a couple syringes. So the most common thing that people will do for that jawline would be, so people have jowls, which is that little hanging thing right. just below like the corner of your and you're yeah. starting to sag a little. Yeah, if you have that little bit of fullness or even hints of it, you are adding some volume just in front of behind it to smooth it out and to find that nice jaw or mandibular border. And what about where you take it all the way back by the ear and create you know, a nice little angle? So there. to build up the ramus and angle of the mandible yeah, or even the too. chin more yeah. chin projection i don't know what it is but i feel like my chin is recessing <laughs> is that normal maybe uh, i'm just not 20 anymore but a little bit of chin projection changes your whole look and aesthetically you're looking at someone you're looking at okay what do we need to do to balance out their face if someone comes in and they've never had filler how do you address looking at their face and everything so prior to any filler treatment, you're going to do a comprehensive facial assessment that starts off with examining the patient's face, looking at symmetry, looking at areas of relative volume deficiency, relative volume excess. There are some aesthetic norms and ideals that are considered when you're evaluating someone's face. And then you'll think about those things as you're trying to figure out what can I do to make this person look better? I notice a lot when I'm looking at people's faces, one side is flatter than the other. And a lot of times I ask them, do you sleep on this you side? Me this. For example, I sleep on my left. So my left side is a little bit flatter. So whenever I go get filler, I'm like, hey, fill up the left a little more. Mm. Puff me up a little more. And then now I've tried to rotate. Now I try to sleep on both try sides. try to sleep on the back of your head. I can't do that. You can't? No. Let me get one of those special pillows that don't let you roll. I would probably snore. <laughs> My husband would probably. He wouldn't like that. He'd be smacking me all So all I think if you sleep on the side of your face, you're going to get more wrinkles on that side of your face. And volume. Maybe. But everyone's born asymmetrical anyways. There's asymmetrical. usually one side of your face that's a little bit shorter and wider. And one that's a little bit taller and skinnier. Like pretty much universally. Even even supermodels. Oh, yeah. They probably have a little bit less of that. Well, and they're getting some things done. Right. Well, Let's they, be real. Most of them are. Probably. They're like going to Egypt or something. And they're airbrushed. <laughs> exactly. Egypt. Like, why did no, I go to Egypt? Because Egypt, <laughs> this is why I say this. Because so you're talking, you're so talking Giselle about yes. was caught. She got some plastic surgery on her face. She was caught. Is it a burka? The thing that like mm -hmm. covers your face? Right. And they caught her. They figured out it was her by her shoes. She was with her sister. And it's like Giselle. It was someplace overseas. And if you look at Tom Brady, he's had work done too. I think so. Yeah, yeah, his before and after of when he graduated, he's been worked on for sure. I don't know why you wouldn't. I mean, yeah. you have the resources. Then why wouldn't you want to look like the best version of yourself? Well, that's a good question. But the, I think the question is, 
finding the right person that's going to make you look like the best version of yourself and not overdo it. Absolutely. And not make you look crazy. Because that's where a lot of our friends get a little bit weary about anything plastic surgery. Mm-hmm. They're afraid I'm going to look like I have duck lips. Or I'm going to look oh, overfilled. Right. And it's like you would have to get so much, so mm-hmm. many syringes to look overdone. I don't think that that people really understand how much you have to get to look that overfilled. You're probably right. You know, I mean, it would, it would have to be upwards of five to six syringes. <laughs> it, would, it would be a lot. But sometimes what people will do is they'll get a vial on their lips and they like it. But then they like how the first couple of days it was really swollen. Right. And then it goes down because it was swollen. And then they're like, oh, I liked it. And then they come right. back and get another. Right. And then they're like, oh, I liked it when it was swollen with that time. And then right. down. And come back. And, and they more. just, yeah. So it becomes addictive. But that's I, where I think someone that's, turns them down. And I says, think that's no. pretty rare. Even yeah. porn's addictive. <laughs> Everything's addictive. So as far as filler goes, how much is a syringe? It depends on which product, but I would say I around seven hundred to eight hundred dollars. No, as far as uh, volume. Oh, sorry. Classically, one ml. They make one that's of like point six five ml. So it's just it's- like when you look at a teaspoon. Mm-hmm. I mean, a third of a teaspoon. Mm-hmm. Teaspoon is five. MLs. So, how much is <laughs> I make it a fifth of a teaspoon? <laughs> a fifth of a teaspoon. When you One, look at how much volume it is, it's not really that much. It's volume. not a lot. People that are banking 1 mLs, I'm like, nah, man, just use it. It's right. 1 ml. And you, there's always, there's, you know, like you there's said before, definitely somewhere there's to put always it. someplace else you can put it. For sure. 1 ml is not a huge amount of volume. You just use that whole thing. You can put it in your earlobe. I never even thought that. When I do facelifts, I always put fat in people's earlobes. Oh, nice. You know what? We haven't talked about fat. The ultimate filler. It is a great filler. So tell us about using fat. Where are you getting this fat? So (laughs) a very common question that people will ask me is, or usually it's a friend or spouse of whomever the patient is, Uh is, can I give her my fat? No, you can't. You can't. So it has to be, right, same person. So uh, classically to do fat as a filler, you have to first harvest the fat. And that's done. Back to... Episode three. I know, liposuction. And usually for the amount of fat that's required for, let's just say the face. Let's say we're adding uh, fat to the entire face. Uh Usually it's, depending on the age, but somewhere in the 30 ml range. Okay. 30 something ml range. And there's some atrophy, right? So not every single fat cell survives. Adding fat to the face is called free fat transfer. And that means the fat is separated from its donor site blood supply you've disconnected it from the blood supply where it was uh-huh. so let's say in your abdomen it had a blood supply there you've removed it so it's free from its blood supply okay and then you add it to the new location when you add those fat cells to the new location not every single fat cell will establish a new blood supply okay so those fat cells that do not will not survive those be absorbed and the expected fat survival rate is about 50 to 70 percent okay that's pretty good so you go a little bit up to come a little bit down yeah i don't try to overfill a lot because you right. don't know really within that range how much you're going to survive you do it till it looks good yeah my end point is looking good and uh-huh. i know i'm going to lose a little bit and right. then either we can come back with some more fat right. or we can add just a little 
dollop of HA filler or whatever. Right. When you do the post-op. Mm -hmm. So if you're doing some fat transfer with, you know, with fat into your face, there's the same risk of bruising and all that stuff, right? Sure. Are you just going to look pretty normal when you're injecting the fat or is there any other thing that's different when you're injecting fat in the face? So when you're injecting fat, you, usually you're getting an anesthetic. I mean, not oh, always. Okay. Well, if you're harvesting, you probably got the anesthetic anyways. Mm, that's what I'm saying. It's a bigger production. You have to I guess prep, you're... prep the donor area and numb right. it up. So whether right. you're getting numbed up with some anesthetic or you're just doing local injections or whatever, right. and then you're harvesting it, then you're preparing it, then you're re-injecting it. Right. So, yeah, it's different. But the cool thing with fat transfer is that whatever fat cells survive, and like I said, it's about 50 to 70% of the fat that's added, that is a permanent filler. So it, it's appealing, especially if you have a substantial amount of volume loss, to add fat that you don't have to keep adding every one to two years. Well, permanent, but your body continues to lose volume. So then that just becomes part of your volume. All right, you've reset the clock. If you went back two decades right. as far as volume loss, unfortunately, yes, time does tick on and surgery doesn't freeze your look. And I say that right. to patients, they'll ask me, how long does this facelift last? Well, it right. resets the clock. But you will still age. You're still going to age. It doesn't stop age. the clock. Exactly. It doesn't stop the clock. So same thing with fat, fat transfer. It's going to reset the volume with regards to how much volume is lost, but you're going to still continue to lose additional volume. So where else can we use filler? We've talked a lot about the face. Yeah. People will use filler in the dorsum of their hands, uh -huh. where you're seeing that tenderness or overly bony top of your hand. My kids and say that to me. Your kids do? <laughs> They're like, you're old. I can see your bones. I've always had really skinny, me too. hands. So. so I'm like, that's just how I am. I know. I'm over it. And then the other thing is like breasts and buttocks. A filler in your breasts? I guess fat filler. Yeah. Price per volume, it would be tough to do something like Juvederm to your breasts. It could be done. It would be really right. expensive and would only last so long. So that wouldn't be appealing. It would be the better option for that. Yeah, anyway. most people would do fat. Absolutely. I've heard of people getting filler in their butt. Uh -huh. It mean, would be classically Sculptra if they're getting one of the temporary injectable fillers. So let's talk about like the Kardashian butts. Yeah. Do you think those are filler butts? Butt implant butts? Oh, I thought Kim got an x-ray or an MRI or something. But if she had an x-ray, butt implants would show, but filler wouldn't. No. Right? So she could have butt filler. I don't really care what Kim has in her butt, <laughs> I guess. I don't really care. Well, and they just say Chloe's butt got smaller. So I'm like, maybe her filler. Either Where do you find this stuff? Me. I'm telling you, this is the stuff that I'm interested that in. Your, this no. is the wormhole you go down? This is the stuff that Instagram shows me. Oh, okay. So her, her butt got smaller. I think our audience wants to know. But is she skinnier also? She is skinnier, but it's so... it's significant. And actually, I'm going to show you a picture. So what they're saying is either she got her butt implants removed. What else would you create that? What if she just had padding in? She like, does look way skinnier. She is way skinnier, but definitely something happened to that. The butt, something's been done. Don't you follow plastic surgery on Instagram? Who's that? They're good. It's just a plastic surgery thing. on It just shows oh. you different things, which I'm just intrigued by. Um, you know, <laughs> which I sent her a picture the other day of a, 
of a no implant breast lift. And she's like, why are you sending me pictures of saggy boobs? I'm like, it's oh, a right. video. Click on the video. But you're, I never not, you're not super into social media, so you don't really see that stuff. Well, I just don't watch stuff that I already know. Right. I already know that. I don't want to watch a video about, look, you can right. save the tissue. And but what I think is interesting is just, just to see what other people are doing, just to see no, I think what's going true. on out there. It's important to keep your finger on the pulse of what's going on in the field and what the know. latest technology if are. Absolutely. The Kardashians had their butt implant removed. Uh, I don't think they're going to tell you. They're probably not going to. Yeah. But I think that's all we have on fillers. Is there anything else that we forgot? For the HA fillers, we talked about how there are so many different types. Right. Whether it's Juvederm or Volbella or Velour, Voluma, that family, or the Restylane Lift, the mm-hmm. Restylane Define, Refine, Restylane Contour. And there's the Revenet or Bellatero. There are other brands. So I don't want to exclude anyone. But... As a patient interested in filler, it's important to find someone with experience and rely on their knowledge to select the appropriate filler for you. One thing you mentioned with another one is some people push what they have. If you go to someone who has a selection of different things, Mm -hmm. you're going to get a better scope of what's the best thing out there. I think that's true across the board, especially in plastic surgery, things like med spas if let's say as a med spa provider or owner all you do is cool sculpting right then everyone that comes in that has a body contour concern that's the only thing you offer it's the same kind of concept with fillers you have everything so you're going to recommend what i think is best for people even if even if the patient doesn't prefer what i recommend they still know and have been educated that you have it that i'm recommending this as my first choice and this is why right. this is an alternative and these would be the pros and cons i mean i think that's important and i'm not sure that's the experience that you're going to get with Everyone potentially else. there is one more thing we forgot to mention is cost sure you know typically a syringe of filler is going to be like between six and eight hundred right depending on what it is that's fair yeah and typically you're going to need i mean minimum of one right you can't buy a half half. you can do a half for the lips i guess you can't buy a half a syringe oh you can't some of the companies make a 0.65 ml syringe which would be cheaper than a one ml syringe Uh but you can't buy half of a one ml syringe like you buy the whole syringe Uh so minimum you've got one syringe Mm -hmm. but if you're looking for a total fixer upper situation on the face obviously it depends on the volume loss sure you know, multiple syringes, so you multiply that out. For sure. You need to be prepared. You know, it's going to cost more than Botox, and there is a little bit of downtime. Again, when it comes to providing options, okay, we could do five syringes, maybe the last one to two years. You're going to need more in two years. At some point, the consideration of what's the cost to add fat as a filler should be part of And what's the difference in cost with that? Well, uh, fairly substantial. Okay. Yeah. Well, then I guess you're multiplying that out. It depends on how you do your cost analyses, right? Right. Are you talking about a two-year window of cost analysis or a 10-year window? Well, in fat harvesting, I mean, Mm -hmm. that's like a two-for-one. You're taking (laughs) away from an area that you don't want it and adding it to another area. I think so. There are very few people that 
look at their body and say, I wouldn't mind if I had a little less here. So what's the minimum on harvesting some fat? Like what would I need? So let's say we are wanting to add 30 cc's of volume to the face. I would need to at least harvest about 60 cc's of lipoaspirate. Well, price-wise, what's the minimum? Um, Can you give me a range? So maybe four or five thousand. Okay. But you're getting long lasting results yeah. and it's a two for one. You're going to be skinnier in one area or in another. Yep. It's got its appeal. And if you get a few syringes, you're going to be a couple thousand dollars in. It's good to have options. And for each person, it, it just depends on how you weigh out the pros and cons of those choices. And different people would weigh them differently. Right. And my job is to educate people as to what's available, what would make the most sense for them. And to some extent, it's just putting the ball in their court. I'll provide recommendations, but that doesn't mean if I think, oh, well, you need a facelift, you need a fat transfer, that they have to do that. Right. They may say to themselves, well, I don't want to do that. What else can I do? Right. And that's okay. I do love how straightforward you are. Because <laughs> you're going to really tell somebody, like, this is what I think. And I don't think a lot of people are like that. And I love someone just telling me, hey, this is how it is. Some this people might not like it, but I want my patients to be happy. Right. And I want to be satisfied with the result. And I want them to be satisfied with their investment and how they right. look at the end. Just telling them what they want to hear will not serve either of us well. Okay, one more place I've heard about getting filler. <laughs> and we talked about this in episode one. Oh, the vagina. I've heard it in the G-spot. How would you know if you need that? Just like you're losing collagen in your face you're losing it everywhere right <laughs> so you plump it back up plump it back up fill her up you're trying to restore the volume that's associated with aging and it unfortunately it occurs everywhere interesting you can almost fill anything all right i think that's all i have on filler all right tune cool. into the next episode anti-aging yeah we'll just do an overview because that topic is so Huge. broad and so we're just going to touch on it and then we'll delve further into the various aspects of it. And, and Break subsequent, them down. Yeah. Subsequent I love it. Episodes. All right. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye.